and welcome to the Ozone, live from Koreatown, back from New York and the mecca of boxing, Madison Square Garden. It is the Ozone. I am your host, Omar Miller, here with my brother who also traveled with me because the Ozone was in NYC, Terry Miller, the icons. Yes, How you yes, feel? Yes, I'm feeling great. Let's do it. Let's do this, Brutus. We got a lot of cover for you guys today. We've been off for a little bit. We had a... Uh, a lot of action. I do have a day job, folks. I'm sorry to let you down, mm. but we got things to do. A lot of production going on. I'm trying to wrap up this season of Ballers. It's been a lot. Um, going to cover a few things today. Going to cover Rafael uh, uh, Nadal put up a crazy monster fight a couple, about two months ago in the Australian Open against Roger Federer. But Roger Federer has since then seemingly overcome the hump of their rivalry and has become unstoppable. He won the Indian Wells Tournament this past weekend for a record fifth time, I do believe. We're going to cover a little bit of that. We're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the big news, which is the Gennady Golovkin, Danny Jacobs fight at the Garden. We're going to talk about the fight that was on the undercard of that with Roman Chakalatito Gonzalez against the homie Arungzvai Vizai. I don't know how to say his name, and we don't want to just call him the Thai homie, but that might be his name for today <laughs> till I learn how to say his name. Um, we got uh, President Trump talking reckless about Colin Kaepernick, which is unnecessary. We have... Uh, we got a lot to cover. Uh, we got NFL free agency, WBC. We got the World March Baseball Madness. Classic, and we got March Madness. So let's just get right into it. Gonna lead off with where we were and what it's all about. We're gonna play you guys and uh, a quick analysis of a caller that called in. And just so you guys know, you can call in and leave your take. Well, you can catch us at four two four two five four two six six three. Is that us? Four two four two five four zone. And that is our number, and we have a caller, uh, a fella's called a couple times, Julian, and to give us a pre-fight breakdown of the Triple G fight, we're going to hear what he said, and then we're going to get in and tell you what it was like being there, smelling it, tasting it, feeling it, who was there, how it happened. Here we go. What's up, fellas? It's Julian, leaving a message for the uh, Triple G, Danny Jacobs fight coming up this weekend, Saturday. It's going to be good. Um, both huge, huge punches. Um if they get into a firefight, I think it's anybody's fight. But I don't think Triple G's stupid. I think he's going to box just like he did against um, David Lemieux. Well, well, that was, I guess, all we had for Julian. Didn't seem like it worked out right. Uh, we're having some technical difficulties. That's all right, though, because we're going to tell you, and I think that his his analysis was spot on, but it, a fight did break out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, an, an incredible fight broke out. No, 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 no. A fight broke out. I mean, that, that, in you know. Stand, in the stand. In, <laughs> three of them in the stands, apparently. <laughs> they said there was something like 16 people ejected. People were fired up. Kazakhstan showed up at Madison Square Garden, and so did Brooklyn. Brooklyn stand up, because Danny Jacobs represented, folks. He represented. He represented. It was a who's who there. As usual, a great HBO pay-per-view event. Jerry Seinfeld was there. Dave Chappelle was there. Mm. The real deal, Evander Holyfield was sitting right Looking in front mean. of us. <laughs> Looking mean and lean. Deal. Uh, Anthony Durrell was there. All sorts of fighters, boxers, personalities. My man from Hookers on the Point narration was there. It was a man. Everybody was in the house. So Peter Berg, producer of Ballers, was there and director extraordinaire. He was there. And then what else was there was the ones and twos. Let me give you my take on the fight. I saw a very, very focused Gennady Golovkin and a very, very impassioned Danny Jacobs into the ring. It was very interesting because <laughs> you're going with an impassioned. I, I, he was he was alive for the he was he was there for the city. He was trying to put on for the city, and I think there was an adjustment that had to happen to the moment because the lights were a little too bright for Danny at right. the beginning. That's what I was going to say. I don't think he started out impassioned. I, I I think he started out he started out on the right foot because he came out popping the jab. And truth be told, I feel like if he would have stuck to that plan and popped the jab all night, triple G, he would have walked away with the belts. Um, because he's a taller man, he was a bigger man, and I think a, a key thing took place that, that people aren't necessarily talking much about. Danny decided to not come to the day of weigh-in, and he decided to, to turn in his belt and not come to the day of weigh-in, and there, live, on the floor, you could see how much bigger than Gennady that he really was. He was big. I mean, he maybe Probably. 185. Yes, at least. I, I don't know about at least, but he was he was maybe maybe I would say up to 185. He fully rehydrated, and I think that full rehydration really helped him weather a lot of the punches that that Gennady threw. 
Danny came out popping a jab. Couple of early rounds, they were feeling each other out. And in the third round, everything just went absolutely berserk. Gennady, I've never seen Triple G look like he had bad intentions in a fight. And he looked like he wanted to open it up because he knew that Triple G, that uh, that Danny was the bigger man that night. And he came out punching, man. And he came out boxing. I saw some tremendous defense from Triple G. Everybody who's out there talking about it being a robbery is talking reckless. You're you talking to, you why not? Watch that fight. Well, Danny is saying that because he said he's watched it three or four times and he still he feels like he won the fight. And I, that's, I'm I, Danny's a great guy, but he's delusional. I think he got a couple of screws to knock loose. Well, what we saw was we saw a great fight. We saw Danny get knocked down in the fourth round, which was not a push. He got hit twice. With two punches to the one to the neck and one to the chin, which took him down. And up until that point, I would say watching the fight up until the, maybe the fifth round, Danny seemed like he was fighting to not get knocked out. Yeah, he seemed like he was he had overpsyched himself on the power of Triple G. What even he bought about, in. Yeah, he, he spoke about it in the press conference. You know, yeah, he's not the boogeyman. He doesn't hit as hard as I thought he. And everybody said he was. I thought he's going to be a lot tougher and harder. And yeah. So that means that that was already implanted in his brain. He bought in. He bought in. He bought in. So there was a, a mental disadvantage for him, I think, early. But let, let's get down to the point. The knockouts aren't a myth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, that's it's not. <laughs> it's real. Those 23 knockouts, that streak was real. Yeah. Yeah, and then and, and 33 knockouts out of 36, 33 knockouts out of 37 fights now is not a fluke. It's not a fluke. That's, that's putting One people two. to sleep. Fluke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even 10. <laughs> you, you, go you, might, you might go through 10 <laughs> tomato cans. You might have 10 yeah. bums. 33? 33. Not a fluke. So this is what I saw. And I just laid it out. We got a lot to cover, so we're going to lay it out quick. It seemed like Gennady came out focused. He he had a lot of respect for Danny and Danny's power. More respect than I would say I have seen in recent years for anybody that he's fought. Um, In the Kell Brook fight, which people criticized him for, I think he realized that Kell had faster feet and hands at which point he was going to have to take some punishment to give some, and what he gave was more than he got. And he also knew that Kelbrook couldn't hurt him. Which was key. Yeah. I think that he suspected that Danny may be able to hurt him. Well, so Danny's got a high knockout ratio as well. Sure does. And so that I think that I think that in that, he suspected that Danny could potentially hurt him, so he was somewhat cautious, and he worked behind a beautiful jab. I mean, a beautiful jab, beautiful jab that a he was working on. A head-snapping jab. A head-snapping, stiff jab, a sharp jab. A sharp James. <laughs> and so what he was doing was he got that jab working and it kept Danny real, real honest. If you watch the first five rounds, there's not many highlights for Danny Jacobs. I would say the first seven rounds. Really? He doesn't have a lot. He The people who say that he won go one through seven and you're going to be hard pressed to find a round that he won. There's a lot of the great defense going on by Gennady. Especially when you got, you got dropped in the fourth. And you get dropped in the fourth. But he did get up, and after the cobwebs kind of shook loose, he put on a gritty performance. I mean, a champion performance. Uh, he, he he showed why he has a belt. You know, had a belt is because that guy has crazy heart, and he went in there and he wanted it. And he looked like he literally. He said that he told Gennady after he knocked him down. He said he told him, "You have to kill me in here." And 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 you know, folks, when we're talking about these brutal combat sports, individual sports, you have to be willing to die in there to get the most out of yourself. Yeah, and that's what could happen in there. That's what can happen if if it goes the wrong way for you. And I think what he did do is he took advantage of Gennady trying to headhunt and knock him out because then he started popping his jab. Yeah, and that was actually when he started getting to be a part of the fight, you know, because before that he wasn't like it wasn't it's not that it wasn't competitive, but he didn't look like he really had a chance at that. He point. was moving backwards. He was moving backwards. He didn't have a lot of lateral movement. He was he was a not lot the, of his punches were getting caught. Yeah, he was he, not the aggressor. He's not the aggressor. And then after he took so much punishment early, he was pity patting, meaning that he wasn't hitting his punches didn't have any power on it. It was just literally punches. I think that I think that he Ended up, I think that weight really, really helped him out. I mean, really helped him. Helped out. him from not getting knocked out. It helped him from not getting knocked out. It helped him recover. Yes. Uh, because because he was able to get back. We went. Uh, well, I, let's stay in chronological order. So then, as the fight progressed, Danny started to come on for sure. I didn't think he had the thump on his punches that he normally has because he took so much punishment, both to the body and to the head. And yet. When Gennady started to headhunt and look for one punch as opposed to the combos that he was putting out early, Danny scored some rounds, I would say. He he won some rounds. Me, myself, I had the final 
eight four Gennady, maybe seven five. Uh, I don't know where people thought Danny won the fight, and I I can't express this enough. Danny may be listening. I love Danny. I stayed after the fight for two and a half, three hours just to talk to Danny after he got finished doing his mandatory uh, tests with the doctors and the urine samples and the blood samples, blah, 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 blah. This is what was very interesting, folks, which you can get live on the Ozone. You can't get anywhere else. We went in the locker room after the fight with both fighters. Yes. We went in the locker room with Gennady, who was so excited and so happy. And he was there with his brother, and which is always beautiful. Obviously, we're biased because we're brothers. But- he was there, and he was—he looked like he wanted to fight some more. He was so excited. He was pumped. He was pumped. You guys will probably see some of this footage on HBO because they were filming us talking. And, and when we were talking to him, I was telling him, I said, hey, man, you look so focused out there. And one thing that, that I saw was that you abandoned the jab at one point, and you came back to it late. And I said, but that jab was just a head snapper. And he said, this guy, oh, my, he has, he's crazy, this guy. He never lose composure. Which I thought was amazing. And because I think that he relies on that a little bit because he knows that once he hits you hard, you're probably going to lose focus and composure and your game plan is literally out of the window. I think that uh, Danny Jacobs did lose uh, his composure a little bit. He hit it well, though. Because I agree. That's, and that's, that's, a, that's a pro move. Uh-huh. That's because, a champion's move. Because what he was doing when he was popping that jab is that he made him pay a little bit. Uh, Triple G made him pay a little bit and with his left, I do believe, a couple of times. And that I sort of stopped him from wanting to throw it as much, I feel. That's when he switched to the southpaw. He bought a little time to recover by switching the southpaw. Well, a lot of people feel, felt the southpaw. I didn't really feel like it was effective. I think people felt the passion. People yeah. felt the antics because the show. he got hit yeah. and then he would scream and yell and, and rah rah sis boom bah. And it was legit, but he was taking punishment in that. And But he was in in that he was showing confidence to himself because he said sure was. You're not putting me to sleep and yeah. I'm gonna die out here if I have to, in front of my fans and my family. And I'm my family's son I'm was willing, there. Uh-huh. I'm willing to die. And I tell you what, I think that Gennady is in to a certain degree in a lose lose situation. I read somebody on Twitter said something great. They said, you know what? Gennady is in an 88 Tyson scenario. If he knocks a guy out, oh, that guy was a bum. If he doesn't knock the guy out, it's, oh, see, he wasn't ever that tough anyways. Well, I want to take it to a different angle now. Which, which route do you want to go? I want to go to a, I do believe it's a Russian route. Yo, yo, okay. That's, that's, because, let's go. Because, you know, from that part of the region that he's from, which is not Russia, but everybody now with this political agenda and everything is starting to yield towards, you know, this whole feeling whereas the United States always needs to have an enemy. And this seems like it has something to do with that. Going You're al- taking it deep. Yeah, I'm going deep because it, it really has an undertone of that for certain parties of the fight game. And then also we bring back the reverse racism of it all. This is, I, you know what? We After the fight, we, walked, we braved the 35-degree cold and walked for a little bit uh, talking about the fight. We were so hyped up still after talking to both fighters. And it was very interesting because... The Icons brought up a great point, which I could not agree with more. There is a reverse racism that takes place in a lot of sports that we just have to address because it's really real. It's real. By and large, and you can you can watch it down the line, when it was Pacquiao versus Mayweather, and, and Floyd Mayweather stoked this up a lot. Yeah. It was black people versus them. Right. And so black people should support the black person. In when when it's when, when it's, it was Canelo and Mayweather when it was Canelo and Mayweather it's the Latinos the Mexicans versus the black people mm-hmm. people love a good story now they're trying to do that same nonsense with McGregor versus Mayweather which by the way who cares about if you buy that fight you're an idiot you're an idiot um, but it, there's definitely something to be said especially with the political climate of what's going on in the United States right now yes with the Russian wiretaps. Uh, potentially with the election, yada, 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 yada. And even though Kazakhstan is not uh, Russia, no. it's Eastern Euro. It was part of that Eastern Bloc. And, you know, I think people kind of associate that to a certain degree uh, with it. And so we can rally behind, give them a little Rocky right. Ivan Drago versus, uh, you know, uh, versus Rocky Balboa kind of scenario. And when you're just talking about the brass tacks of the fight game, it's not right. Because we saw that happen as well with Andre Vord versus Sojay Kovalev. Yeah, and guess what, people? Latinos and African Americans aren't the only ones that can fight. That's this is something that just has <laughs> we to. We need to get over that. We need to get over that, and part of the reason is is because fighting and boxing are sports that you do out of necessity. Yes, it's something you very, very rarely will an affluent person be able to be a successful 
fighter or boxer, they need to be hungry in a way that they are not, which usually happens once a fighter gets comfortable and makes millions of dollars, and then he has to get back there in the ring and go into training camp, stay away from his girl yeah. and, and everything else, and pretty soon he says to himself, you know what, this is not even worth it. I Just knock me out. Yeah, the <laughs> same kind of thing that we're going to see. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, Klitschko. Vladimir Klitschko mm-hmm. and Anthony Joshua coming up. But I agree with you. I think a lot of people speak with their heart on this. And guys, go back and watch the fights. The fights are available on YouTube. Go back and watch the fights because we watched the fights several times after the fights. And I didn't see anything different. I saw even more, you know, domination than and got even more respect for Golovkin because you watch his defense. The defense was. I mean, his footwork and his defense was. There's a reason that he's a Jordan brand athlete. I have respect for Danny because Danny went in and faced Goliath, if you will, and he stood toe-to-toe with him. He didn't come out the victor, but he did win. What I told Danny after the fight was, hey, man, regardless of the decision, you won tonight. This was the best pay-per-view card that we've seen in I don't even know how long. In a while. In a a very, very long while. I mean, this this pay-per-view card was fantastic. And... The, the, these two fights were fantastic. I think that uh, I think that Danny, as he should, believes he won the fight just because that's part of the individual sport. You got to feel yourself. Yeah, but you can't. After you watch the fight three or four times, you have to be a realist hey, as I'm well. Hey, I'm still feeling myself. <laughs> you can feel yourself, but you have to be a realist. I'm, feel, I'm feeling myself. Well, don't feel yourself no more. I'm, I'm not feeling you're myself. You're on the point of being perverted. Don't I, do it. I don't know. <laughs> this is coming from the guy who swears Drew Holiday's a superstar. So I don't know, folks. There he goes. I don't, I don't know about there that. There he goes. Yeah, but but – uh, you know, I think that the idea that Gennady is humble doesn't work well in his favor for America because America's like their superstars uh, to be brash and cocky. And, and I don't know about tainted, but they just like them to be big, big and cocky and, and you know, brash. I think they like to see him a little bit marred and scarred and everything. Uh, Golovkin has a hard luck story. He, you know, his family went through hard times and everything else. I didn't, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that he's not braggadocious. Mm, and know, that's what Americans what like. Saying. Americans like obvious. And this is why it was hard for a lot of Americans to accept LeBron James as a superstar initially. Because he would rather pass and make the right basketball play as opposed to showing out himself. Showing out himself. Uh, it's the same reason that that people have the love hate relationship they have with Floyd Mayweather. There's no way you can watch that fight. Now, if you guys would see it the other way around, if Danny Jacobs would have knocked Triple G down, and and then at the end of the fight, uh, uh, Danny would have would have then in turn lost that fight to Triple G. You guys would be crying left and right about how it was the man and how it was fixed and exactly. so on and so forth. Exactly. Because everybody nowadays who's a casual boxing fan seems to have the game twisted to think that you can't get knocked down and that you can't lose. That builds character. You can get up off the floor because if you can get up off the floor in that ring, that's showing you that you can get up off the floor in life. Exactly. And I think in this particular situation, it worked the other way around. Danny got up off the mat facing cancer, and then he came in, and, exactly. and now he shows you, I can get off the mat. I don't care who I'm fighting. The only problem with Danny right now is that how is he going to react fighting the next fight? You know, he took a lot of punishment. Yeah, and I think that we're going to see that with this Kell Brook-Earl Spence fight coming up as well, because Kell Brook's coming back pretty quickly for having your orbital bone crushed just back in September. Yeah. That's, uh, by that, Triple G. That's by Triple G, <laughs> by the boogeyman. Um but yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. I thought Gennady, the, him telling us that Danny never lost his composure was huge, because he and and usually you see him knock guys down, and after he knocks them down, it's just a matter of time before he knocks them out. And it looked like he thought that himself. Because I in agree. The fourth, fourth round, from probably the fourth to the seventh round, he started stalking him. Yeah, and that's when he started loading up and just hitting him with big punches. And that's when Danny got back into the and fight. That's when Danny got back into the fight around the sixth or seventh round. He didn't get. He never got back into the fight. To me, I never felt like he was in the fight because it looked good. But from overall, he never really was in the fight. He never really. He made it competitive, but he never really. I never really. You never felt, felt like he had the lead. Yes, I never felt like. I never even felt like it was even. I mean, I don't know what the announcers were saying or whatever. Right, but. He wasn't in the fight like that. He was getting hit way too hard. He was getting hit too often. And Gennady was out jabbing him. He out punched him. He out power yeah, punched stats him. Were, well, the, technically, they said the, that Danny had more power punches, which I don't know where they got that from. I have no idea where they got that uh, from. But tell me this, though. Now, do you see Canelo Alvarez competing with either one of those guys? Canelo can't fight against these guys, man. And they are doing the right thing by keeping him out of the ring from these guys. It's, I would let him fight Danny Jacobs before I would let him fight Triple G. I think Triple G probably can knock him out within three rounds. He throws wide punches. I don't think he's going to get past Chavez, honestly. Ooh. Ooh. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? 
Chavez. Chavez, who may come into the ring at 200 pounds, <laughs> ladies Hello. and gents. Uh, this is going to be interesting. This is going to be a great year for boxing. It really, really is. And now that's interesting that you would say that because, you know, after speaking with seemingly both camps, there seems to be some confusion about the fax machine on who's received what facts as far as the offers go. And, uh, you know, I think it's a very telling stat. I read somewhere that uh, Canelo makes for 98% of Golden Boy's income right now. And so they have right. to protect him to a certain degree. And so you or have to keep him in the right situation. Superstar. And this situation might not pan out for him fighting against Chavez. It might not because he's going up. I mean, Chavez has been very suspect. He's very been, suspect. But I, would, I, I, I seem more focused than I ever have before with his father in this corner. His father's all over him. There's a pride and, factor going on here. And everybody knows who has a, a, a dad that's, that's like that's on over, you. Yeah, that's on you. I'll do whatever I got to do to get to him get off. To get pops me. off my helmet because <laughs> he's on me. And now, me. and now that's, yeah, this is true. Ah, wow. And now let's talk about the other fight really quickly before we move on. How about Chocolatito versus the Thai homie, Rungsvizai? Rungsvizai. <laughs> you know what? I felt like, I told you while we were watching the fight, when it came down to the latter part of the fight, I felt like he, he wasn't going to win. And it's interesting because Chocolatito, they came out, Chocolatito, for people who don't know, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez is considered to be the number one pound, was considered to be the number one pound for round fighter in the world. Uh, he usually fights at 110, 112. Now he's at 114. He went from 110 to 114. And I think that the weight factor really, really made a difference. That guy looked like he was maybe even up to 10 pounds heavier than him on the day. Yes. And he came out establishing that he was the bigger fighter. He hit, came out establishing. Hit him in his chest. Hit him in his chest. It looked like he made his heart skip a beat, to yeah. be honest. On, at, at, at the arena, you could see Chocolatito's face. There was a panic that came across, not from getting knocked down, but it looked like an internal panic. Right, and we saw him fall ringside. We were ringside, yes. and he fell in slow motion. He sure did. <laughs> right and, in front of and, our face. <laughs> and, and being a crazy, fine-tuned athlete, it took him a good maybe four minutes to get his body back together to start working right. But boy, when he got it back together, that man went to work. But that guy stood right in front of him. He and, did, but at the end of the day, I don't know. He laid it on him. First and foremost, I felt like there was a lot of uh, uh, of, of phony love with the hugs after the rounds and everything. Oh, no question. I and think that might have been an MMA move, right? That might have been an MMA move because then the headbutt was a street move. And, and on the, the headbutt, it was the headbutt. It was several <laughs> headbutts. Several. And it was interesting because right there on the spot, it didn't look like, I didn't think initially in the first five or six rounds that he was headbutting him on purpose. I felt like in the first five or six rounds, it was that whole Southpaw fight in the, the traditional blah, 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 blah. Then when you watch the replays, he gave him a little bit of the street fighter. And, yeah. and, he, and, he, and he dropped it right on him a few times. But Chocolatito ended up showing the heart of the champion he and sure exactly did. why he's pound for pound at the top of everybody's list. This dude, for after the second round, once his heart got back together, for a good nine and a half rounds, he put in work. He just looked like he could never overcome being the smaller guy. Right. He in a way that Gennady could be the smaller out. guy and cut the ring off and so on and so forth. He just kept taking punishment. Chocolatito hit this guy Twice as much. He ended up landing 400 punches. Let's look at these punch stats were amazing. But this was the difference for me why I didn't consider Chocolatito the best pound for pound because what you don't bring to the table, which a Golovkin brings, is power. You know, and he can get you out. Not of, at that, not yeah, at the not higher at weight. Exactly. And he takes way too many punches. At that lower level, those guys can throw like 10,000 punches in the fight. I mean, he <laughs> threw 1,013 punches in the fight. Come on, and, man. That's and a lot of Sor punches. Rungvizai threw 940 punches. 441 times Chocolatito hit him to 284, and I don't think there's a tougher guy on the planet than than Sor Rungsvizai because he showed the chin. His chin is made of a grade A, 60 pounds of pressure concrete. This dude got clocked constantly and never moved. I never felt like he was going down. He looked like he got hit a couple of times. He in the like, 12th oh, okay. round, it yes. looked like it looked like in the 12th round, if they had two more rounds, Chocolatito might have been able to get him out of there. 15 rounders, no more. No more, no mas, Holmes. But I don't know if – I need to watch the fight again. I because watching the fight, I felt like Chocolatito did enough to come back and overcome and a – And being the champion. And uh, – mm. And and this is the thing. Nobody talks about this anymore. You got to take the champ's belt. But he got dropped, though. Usually that's that's what the qualifier was to take the champ's belt that you had to drop him, and he got dropped. And he got dropped. And then he lost, but the, then he the other guy lost the point. At this, he lost the points from the headbutts, which made me think, at the very minimum, we got a draw. And then down the road, I mean, these guys, two of the refs, two of the, the, the judges, judged it 116-112? 
Come on, man. There's no chance. There's no There's way. No one sixteen. I would go with a split or a, a draw. Maybe worst case scenario, Chocolatito lost that fight. But I need to see it again because what I saw from ringside, I, I honestly felt like that he wasn't going to win the fight. But at the same time, losing that point negates the knockout yeah. on the cards. Yeah, but the that, knockdown. That I'm guy sorry. was doing great counter punching. He stayed right in front of him a lot of times. He wore the punch as well. Some more needs to be said about how you wear a punch. Yes. Yes, and then more needs to be said also about when a guy gets hurt, how these fighters nowadays don't recognize that they're hurt. That's a big deal. You know, and uh, these guys don't recognize it. Yeah. They, and if you recognize that, like a Triple G seems like that he recognizes it, you can take advantage of the other fighter. But a lot of times these guys back off because I actually felt like Chocolatito hurt him. I did too. But then maybe- That guy the, wore the punches well. Yeah, but maybe same it was the like, blood. Same like, maybe he couldn't see through the blood. I know it was <laughs> the blood for me. <laughs> yeah, little Negro spiritual for y'all. Y'all know about what? that. Y'all didn't go to church. Y'all don't know about uh-huh. Go on now. <laughs> Anyways, look here. I do believe that uh, Chocolatito had to have a hard time seeing him. I thought really around the ninth, 10th round they were going to go to the cards because yeah, I thought, I thought it was, they were going to stop the fight. That was a gusher, dude. He's going to need plastic surgery. Rain jacket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's going to need plastic surgery to fix that. That's a serious thing. And, you know, that they said that was the first time a Thai fighter has fought in Madison Square Garden. And, man, that dude came and showed up and he showed represented. out. He represented. A lot of representation that went down. Yeah. I need to watch that fight again. Like... But you know when you watch it once, I mean, uh, but you uh, what can you a do? Fight, a but, fight but, like that, you need to watch judge, probably two or three times. But a judge has to score it right there on the spot. Now I will say this: one thing that Rungsvizai and Danny Jacobs did that I observed that I thought was very interesting that is something that great fighters do. They saw all the punches. I felt like Danny didn't get knocked out and was able to weather the power of Triple G, not only because he had that extra 15 to 20 pounds of full hydration, which helped his body recover, but because he never got hit with punches that he didn't see. Right. He was able to stay in there, keep his eyes open, whether he was throwing or receiving, so that he could brace himself for the impact in comparison to oftentimes... Triple G hits guys like a, a load of bricks in them, and they didn't even see it coming at all, and then they're in a whole other galaxy. I think that's by design for Triple G as well because I think that in a certain situation, he didn't want to take or get into a situation where he might throw a punch from an unusual angle and get caught himself. Ah, now that's a really good point. Well, folks, this segment is being brought to you by the 5-4 Club, 5-4-Club.com. We're sporting it now, T-Bone looking fresh. Go ahead, get fresh for the spring and summer, ladies and gentlemen. It is spring, has sprung upon us. 5-4-Club.com, life and style. Get a box of clothes worth $200 delivered to your doorstep every single month for only $65 a month. Use promo code OMAR and you will see the love. So let's move on now. Got to move fast. We got a great, we, we might even give you guys two podcasts this week. We got so much action going on. Want to talk about March Madness. Crazy upsets and everything going on. And we got a caller that wants to call in. Hello. Next victim, live in the Ozone. What's popping with you, Tipper? Chilling, 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 chilling. How y'all cats doing today? Hey, hey now. Man, I got a little bit of that lag. I'm a little tired. You know, we was out at the Mecca, Madison Square Garden, watching some tremendous boxing this weekend. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you caught it. Uh, uh, real quick, I just say that again. I didn't catch nothing but news feed, and I'm mad at y'all, man. Why are you mad at us? Fix your face. It's a three piece. It's a three piece combo. Man, you, you, hey, listen, listen. Next victim is a part of the ozone, and your ticket was on deck. Our brother Junebug took your spot because you didn't pop up at the garden. Eh? You can't be mad at us. Right? You listened to the ozone. You were part of the ozone. You knew we were going to that fight. <laughs> yeah. I'm nasty like icons. <laughs> well, let's talk about nasty. And I want to talk about your expertise, some NCAA March Madness college basketball, my brother. <laughs> now, the, how's your bracket looking? This is what I want to know. What's happening with the bracket buster? Man, my Midwest is looking flawless. Okay? Really? I'm a Michigan State fan, but I had to go against them because I like Kansas. Right. Michigan State is very young. So my Midwest bracket is looking just perfect. Nothing. Um, you know, nothing. There's, there's no X's in that one. They're all O's. It looks good. I have Kansas, by the way, to win the national, um, to win the championship game. Versus who? I believe in those Versus Arizona. 
Ooh, so your bracket is looking solid top to bottom. Now, this is very interesting because right now I'm looking at my bracket, right? I'm going to tell you who busted my bracket up. Uh, my Midwest is probably my best bracket, but Michigan is hurting me because I had Louisville beating Michigan, and uh, and then I have Oregon beating Louisville, which means that I don't know if they're going to beat Michigan. But I have Kansas coming out of there. In the South, uh, I have... UCLA fight place in Kentucky, which I think is going to be a great game, but I actually have Kentucky winning it all because I have Kentucky beating North Carolina, and I have Kentucky winning it all. So I got Kentucky coming out of the South, coming out of the West. I personally had uh, um, I had Arizona. Actually, I had Gonzaga over Arizona, but then I had them losing to Villanova, and I had Kentucky beating Villanova in the championship game. So this is going to be what ends up happening, what's going to be interesting, because Villanova busted my bracket up. I had Villanova getting down and beating Baylor in the Elite Eight, and obviously now that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, man. This, this, the parity for this year's uh, tournament was, like, Incredible. the best ever. Yeah, maybe the best ever. Best ever. You know, you had teams that, that should be there, and they're performing. Like, I have Villanova to go to the Final Four. Me too. Villanova didn't make that. Wisconsin, see, I'm a, I'm a Big Ten fan. Okay. I know I'm on the West Coast, but I love Big Ten basketball. They play the you game had, the right way. I think you had seven teams from the Big Ten to make it to the tournament. Now, Wisconsin was a sleeper. Wisconsin should have never beat Villanova on paper. Right. But during the game time, when them lights come on, it's a different thing. That paper Minnesota is out. Is this, is, this is about lacing them and up. Wisconsin is playing Big Ten teams the entire season. So they're playing championship and tournament basketball the entire season in the Big Ten. That's a good point. They're playing better quality opponents the whole year, which is what I thought was going to end up hurting the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl where in the first half it did look like that, that the quality of their opponent was actually going to end up hurting them when they right. actually had to fight and play somebody real. And now this is the same thing that looked like it got to Nova. Now it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's, it's, it's going to happen. Everything is happening. Folks had Duke to, to win. A lot of people had Duke. Duke. That Duke loss moved me way up the ranks in my in my bracket. You should have hollered at your boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It had me move up. I didn't have Duke. I don't. I wasn't a believer in Duke. I actually, I didn't. I didn't have Duke uh, in my Final Four. I didn't have him in the Elite Eight. I had him in the wow. Sweet 16. I had Duke losing to Baylor. And so I didn't know that they were going to lose to South Carolina, but I had him losing to Baylor. Now, see, South Carolina is, you know, again, one of them small-town schools, but they have a great coach. Frank Martin, they have a great coach. Casper forget that he went from Kansas State and took a team to the Elite Eight. To, then he transferred and went to, uh, to South Carolina. Man, that dude is a hell of a coach. But South Carolina is overshadowed by all the other ACC schools and the SEC schools. So also great competition. Also great competition. And but, I believe, it's funny that you say that, because going back to kind of tap dance back and forth on the fight, that's something that we didn't touch on. I think that Abel uh, is a better trainer than Danny Jacobs' trainer was, yeah, and I and I would I would actually love to see the trainer records for the Chocolatito fight versus his versus the the tie homie. Yeah, that's true. Because in Good all point. of this, the reason I bring that up is coaching plays such a big factor. But it's every blue moon that the coaches actually get the credit. When the coach tears his Achilles after the championship, he gets the credit. When the coach is like Coach Kane, he's been there for a hundred years. He gets the credit, you know. But it's very rare it's that you that that this gets factored in because this is about preparation. And as former athletes, everybody knows preparation is critical when it comes time, you know, to when it meets to, opportunity. Yeah, that's exactly that's that's making good luck because what happens is that good coaching is what allows you to adjust within the game, which makes the matchup on paper mean absolutely nothing. Exactly. True that. Well, just like all coaches say, we can't play the game for you. So can't play it for you. Once you get into the ring, once you get into the court, once you get into the field, once you get onto the ice, whatever you get into, you have to want it. It's on you. The coach you can't want it more want than you want it because he's not going to put up one jumper. 
Absolutely. You have to just want it. They can prepare you. The trainer can prepare you to get you out there to, you know, to expect certain things, but you have to want it. And that means you can't dog it in practice. Because these kids, like the bigger schools, they're falling like flies. Because they're the one and done schools. Right. These 18 and 19, 17 through 19 year old kids are playing these smaller schools that's been there for four, these students have been there for four years. And they've bought into the program. 17 and 18 year olds compared to 20 and 21, 22, that's grown men. It's grown men. So they've experienced almost everything possible on this court during these tournaments. So now the smaller schools with some, you know, the, the, the bigger schools, the Kentuckys, who's one and done, but they're just extreme athletes. Right. Where the coach is going to get all the accolades, but, you know. They're all AAU and blue chips and right. high end. Right. Absolutely. So now who you got in your final four? So I have Arizona. I had Villanova to go over Baylor. I have Oregon. Mm. I have and I have Kentucky. Wow, so you have Oregon beating Kansas. I thought you said you had Kansas winning it all. Who do you have winning it all? Hold on, I'm making out my bracket wrong. I'm making out the Oh, oh okay. There you go. Yeah, Kansas. So I have Arizona, I have Villanova, I have Kansas, and I have I had Minnesota. Minnesota was my shocker. Oh, wow. You thought Minnesota was going to take it to North Carolina and Kentucky? Yes. Wow. Okay. Minnesota had a record of like 27 and 4. They were a really good team. Middle Tennessee. If I was to go to Vegas, I wanted to go with a sleeper just to throw everything off. That's how I usually do my tournament bracket. You got to have one sleeper to get there. Okay. That was going to be my sleeper. Okay. So the final four, well, the final two I have, you know, I got Arizona and I got Kansas. And I got Kansas winning it all. Now, Kansas I is really UCLA. good. I like the way UCLA play. Now, talk, that's what I want to talk to you about. Talk to me about, you know, your man, LeVar Ball, <laughs> Ooh, talking <balling> out. <laughs> reckless about his son Lonzo and his, all of his sons. And what, what's your take on that and the pressure that he's putting on his kids? Man, I look at it like this. I can, i rather read but that dude says after an interview and see him clown and talk foolish, you know, live in person. Just let me read it because on TV and on radio, he sounds like a complete idiot, a complete fool. But when I'm reading... We're talking about LeVar Ball, not Donald Trump, Tip. Make sure you got that right. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's a good one, huh? I do this for a living, my friend. But, and you're good. You're good. <laughs> you know, I just rather I rather read what he says because then I can I can make my own. You know, I can put it together and be like, okay. Basically, you can give him a pass. You can. It's more palatable when you digest it by reading it than it is when you have to hear him and all of the the way he says it, talking stupid yeah. about beating Michael Jordan and talking stupid. And he averaged two point two points. Yeah, come on, man, you, you're talking reckless. I don't, need, I don't need to hear that from him because I think that's all for you know for show sure, for TV. If he has that much confidence, you know, more power to him. It's, and I don't even think I think he's got marketing. This is the thing, and you'll see when you see the Danny Jacobs Triple G fight. There's a portion of the fight where Danny's actually getting beat up, but he he shows so much heart and drive, and he starts yelling and grunting and yeah, people love passion, and Americans yeah. are a sucker for a show. We love a good spectacle, and I think that Lavar Ball is actually smart in knowing that. In the same way that Donald Trump was smart in knowing that about the spectacle. Because this is why the bait and switch works so well in the American public. is because we are a sucker for the dangling carrot. We love that. We love for somebody to give us a show. We're willing to pay for a show. Well, if he just wants to get money, that'll work for him. But what happens is that they're going to maybe build this kid up. And the kid is going to be the one who takes the brunt of this and not the father. And and he they're going to build him up to smashing, you know. But they're all together at the same time. They're still, all together. Yeah, the all father's going to have to pay for it once team. his kid once his kid gets smashed. It's all home father's got to pay for yeah, it. Yeah, but see, but that's assuming that the kid doesn't have the goods. As of right now, the kid is showing and proving, and he's, he's got the balling, goods. and he's balling in the tournament. Dwayne Wade gave him a shout out. Yes, Dwayne man. Wade gave him love. <laughs> now, what do you think about this next victim? Because here's my thing: watching the kid Lonzo Ball play, shooting the ball from your chest 
is not going to work in the NBA. The guys can jump too high and they're too quick. They'll, they will beat up your jump shot if you put it out from your chest. What's your take on his chances in the NBA? I think he's going to be effective because he's about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he's quick off the dribble. He's just His shot is ugly like Kevin Martin's, if you guys remember. Yeah, Kevin yeah, Martin. yeah. But Kevin Martin but, was an underachiever in the league. Was an underachiever, but Kevin Martin was a shooting guard also. Yeah. And um, with this kid, Alonzo Ball, I've, I've fought and fought and hate and hate as much as I could, but this kid, he has it. He has it. He has the tools to be in the league and be effective in the league for a long time. He he has the court vision where he can pass. The shot, the shot is a problem, but come on, man. It's, it's plenty of ugly shots in the NBA, and a lot of them dudes are in the, are where, are, are in the Hall of Fame. Jamal Wilk. Yeah, but, see, but, but but I'm not I'm not talking about ugly shots. I'm talking about the actual functionality of shooting the ball, pushing it out from your chest, as opposed to taking it from the from the shoulders up. And this kid's six six. I mean, he and he looks like he could be low key related to Drake. He's he's <laughs> he looks like he's looking listening to Maybe. more life. He might be Drake's ghostwriter or stunt double, <laughs> low key. And he's he's actually what Drake would love to be because he actually can hoop. <laughs> And from L.A. And from L.A. <laughs> but, yeah, nah, man. I mean, the kid is legit. From what I understand, his little brothers are even more legit than him. Yeah. But they have the family. I think – I say this. I I salute LeVar Ball because it's on everybody's lips. The Ball brand, the Ball brothers are on everybody's lips now. And he has as much to do with that as does the play of his kids. I mean, these kids putting up 92 points in a game in high school. And 80-something. And 80-something. And, and, and now you have uh, the, this kid actually deep into the tournament with UCLA being the leader on the team. They got the goods. But unfortunately, and I've learned this from being in the entertainment business, the squeaky wheel does get the oil in America. And this is just the world that we live in. This is a capitalist society, and he is a capitalist to the fullest, obviously, because he's trying to exploit it. And I just hope when the brother finally does get paid, he goes to the dentist and gets his grill fixed. <laughs> because well, you got to bring that up. The part about it, though, is this. Like, this kid can go. Now, LeVar Ball has mentioned that you know, his kids can, you know, once they become 18 and become grown, they don't have to do with them or, or have to listen to them right. or do whatever, which is, you know, so he says some good things. No, I see, that's the thing. I take it as a positive. I take it as the shock value that he's going for has been effective because everybody's talking about him. We're talking about him on the Ozone, talking about him on Sports Center. You're talking right. about him everywhere. And and getting talked about, getting attention is the 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 preamble to getting paid in America. And his other brothers coming to UCLA next year, right? And now and, what? Right. And Lonzo's one and done, but his other his younger brother, the one that's right behind him, I do believe that may be better than him. There you go. He's averaging 51 no. points in, in high school. Come on, man. You average 51 a night. No. I think it's eight minute quarters in high school. You <laughs> that's know? a lot. Jello ball. I don't think he's bad. I think Lonzo in this case, and uh Big O, you might agree with me. There's not too many older brothers that are better than the baby brothers. So <laughs> no, but but this is, and I'm going to tell you why. I agree with you, and I'm going to tell you why. I don't. I'm going to tell you why. Actually, I think you do, and I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> no, I'm going to tell you why. It just matters what you is, play. Is it, no, 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 no. I'm going to tell you why. If if I'm not a better baseball player than Terry was, then Terry failed on a certain level, and that's because the same way that Lonzo, the <laughs> I'll put that out there. I failed. <laughs> I let you. I let you down. <laughs> I feel. I feel like Levar Ball when they start talking about baseball. I feel like I'm better than everybody. <laughs> Look here, and it, and it, and if you ask the people that we play with, you, you know, you may get a different answer. But this is the point. This is the point. The point of the matter is when you're the younger brother, Lonzo Ball has now gotten a higher level of coaching. Than his brothers yes, have. Yes. And you know what? When they go back to the crib, Lonzo Ball is telling his brothers, no, 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 no. Let me tell you what mm -hmm. they what they taught me. Now, Lonzo Ball is about to go to the NBA. And then when he's in the NBA, he's going to spread that information to his younger brother who will then spread it to his younger brother, which is the same thing that we're seeing from Yadier Molina. Yeah. Yadier Molina isn't more gifted physically than Benji or Jose Molina. No. But he's a better baseball player. Because he had the experience of getting that information passed down to him. When I can remember when when the icons went away on his full scholarly to go play in college, 
when he came back, my baseball game went through the roof. <laughs> Do you you couldn't get me out. And it's because he had got more information. He got more information when he started to play professional baseball, which then in turn transferred to me, which just means that I got it earlier, which unless I'm dumb, I can't I should incorporate into my game. That's a, you know, that's a simple, that's a simple technique. It's not like I don't think it's a a genetic thing or anything else. Every blue moon, you have guys that, you know what I mean? But what I'm saying about these guys is that this the, their younger brother, not the youngest, but the one that's in the middle, yeah. he's one year behind him. And also, he's like, I think that he might be physically superior. Oh, yo, is that yeah. right? Yeah, because he looks like, like Charles O'Bannon's game more than Ed's like personally. Four, I think he's like 6'4", six, 6'5". But he's more broader. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. He's giving you more Charles Barkley work. It's going to either go up or it's going to go down. Now, I don't believe that middle brother has the tools to make it to the NBA after one year. Maybe two, maybe three. I just don't think his body type is ready for this speed of basketball and college basketball or in the NBA. I see what you're saying. But you're saying Lonzo's ready to go. He's got the tools. He can get it done. And the youngest brother still isn't even done growing, so who no. knows what's gonna happen, you know. And I think he's a he's a sophomore. And he's put that's the one that put up to ninety two, yeah. right? And the other brother put up seventy two. That's a lot of points. Next victim, thanks for having you. Uh thanks for coming by, man. We're happy to have you. We are on a on a hyper speed on the ozone. We gotta we actually have to get to the World Baseball Classic to Chavez Ravine to go watch the Japanese play the USA. USA. Man, you welcome to roll out? Roll out. I got a ticket for you. Roll out. Now what? Now what? Now, you talking all that nonsense. Roll out. Didn't nobody tell you to move out to Afghanistan? Oh, man. <laughs> you are nasty. <laughs> Next victim, always great having you. Oh, man. Got to love the Ozone. It's so nice to be back on the mic. Thanks, ladies and gentlemen, for listening. I was actually going in for a meeting on a uh, cartoon to do a voice on a cartoon today, and I ran into a cat and said, hey, man, I just want to let you know I love the podcast. I, man, I really love the podcast, man. I want to call in, blah, blah, blah. You guys are welcome to call into the podcast, folks. This is the Ozone, where we take it all. We are unfair and partial sports podcast, so we take all comers. Call us, 454-254-ZONE. All right, moving on. We are moving on no, fast four, two, and four. furious. What did I say, 454? Yeah, I think you I had the 54 club on your mind. No, you know what I got on my <laughs> mind? I got, got the Chevy on my mind. <laughs> that, that 454. That <laughs> I'm a Stroger. Ooh, that's a 383. <laughs> I'll decree. Okay, okay, sorry, folks. Let me get you the phone number, the right number. It's 424-254-9663. All right? That's 424-254-ZONE. Call in. We'll play you on the air, and we'll get our technical difficulties fixed, and we'll get you together. Now, moving on again, how about this World Baseball Classic? How about uh, it? Ladies and gentlemen, have you watched? We told you that the Classic was starting the last time that we were there, the last time we were on the air for you. Have you watched? Have you seen the potential of World Baseball and seen it in the way of this being like the World Cup for baseball, this being like the Olympics for baseball? These guys are having so much fun out there. It's like when you watch the Dominican play, the Puerto Rican team play, Korean. the Venezuelans play, the Japanese play, and you now even see it with the USA guys too. Yeah. They're not stiff, man. This is what baseball needs to revitalize itself. <laughs> Acting like a kid playing, a grown man playing are, a kid's game. That's it. And that is, this is the best thing on the planet. How can you be mad at that? And then getting paid for it. Come on, man. And then get national pride out of it. I just blown away how you're supposed to hit a bomb and then walk around the bag, uh, uh, run around the bags and say, "Oh, act like you've been there." Hey, man, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. And uh, Ballantin hit that home run last night. Oh man, <laughs> are you kidding? That was a bomb. That was a bomb. Dodger Stadium on a heavy air night at Dodger Stadium. That was a, that was a mash. People were sleeping. That might have been a 500 foot bomb if you're yes. playing somewhere else. Yes, that was a mash. He posed too. <laughs> he had to. <laughs> but guess what? Nobody was mad. Nobody's mad. No, we're just gonna play the next. We're gonna play this game out. If you get me, you got me. That's what it is. You were hit my best last last night. That kid Edwin Diaz went right after him. Sure did. In a clutch situation, he threw three fastballs. Jeez, and he threw hundred miles an hour. And that kid and, and, and Valentin was like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> Gave him a little chin music. Uh huh. They 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 did the fake brawl. Ran yep, out the yeah, ran yeah. out. You know, hey, what you doing? Hey, hey man, what's up? Where you gonna eat? Yeah. And then <laughs> and then after that, what happened? Yeah. Ah! 
Sit Gave down. it to him. Yeah, so you know what? I was on a plane. I didn't get to see the whole game. I was following it online. Man, that was exciting. It. The final four is out. Unfortunately, both of our predictions are, are dead in the water. We got the Japanese team playing the USA tonight, and the USA is looking hot, hot, hot. The bats are alive. I think Tanner Rourke's going to show up tonight. And Tanner Rourke's a big-time pitcher. They said they took him over Chris Archer probably because Chris Archer left the team and came back. Uh, oh. And wanted to come back, and Tanner Rourke stayed with the team throughout the whole process, which I can understand you giving him some kind of loyalty. Let him pitch in the big game. Let him pitch and in Americans the game. are swinging the stick right now, so we're just as good as anybody else besides the pitching. If we can get the pitching together, I, honestly, after watching that game last night, I was wishing that you could see it because this is the difference what I'm talking about, why the Americans are the best, because we play disciplined, fundamental baseball. For nine innings. Yes, and the other teams don't. That's where the passion That cost the Netherlands last night. Yeah, well, more than once. Picking off, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Javi Baez did it for Puerto Rico because he went and stole third, but then uh, your boy Xander Bogarts didn't lay the tag on him the right way. I saw that, which cost him. Those are all fundamentals. These are these are this is the, the bag is right here. You know that he he's got to get to the bag. He, he has to come to the bag. Drop your knee in front of the bag. Drop your knee and put that glove right there, and he's going to get. He, he has to. Touch he, has to it. he has to touch it, or he's out. That's it. Yeah, but the games have been incredible. The Miami, I would say the most exciting pool uh, was the Miami pool. That Miami pool was incredible. There were some great games. Columbia really showed up. A lot of representation going on. Julio Turan dealt. Jose Quintana dealt. Uh, Israel showed up. Israel showed up. A lot of countries have a lot to build on now. Yes. Uh, Israel has something to build on. China even has something to build on. They get to see how far behind they are in the world stage because they got pounded. Cuba has to go back to the drawing board. Cuba's going to have a hard time competing because they're going to lose all their players to them MLB. And once again, now if they can open it up, though, and the MLB Cubans can play for Cuba, then the rest of the tournament is going to have a hard time. Now, do you think that the Cubans would want to have those guys back? I do. I do. Because everybody wants a better life. And I think that once these things open up and you can see what that that's what it was about, I don't think there's going to be animosity. I think that that country pride trumps that animosity. Now... What I'm very concerned about with the game tonight is that the Japanese are always there. Every single World Baseball Classic, they're always in the Final Four, and they've won two out of three. They are a tough team. You may not know these guys, but they play the game the right way. USA! USA! I'm going USA! I'm going USA (laughs) versus Puerto Rico in a rematch. And and I tell you what, that Puerto Rico team is stacked. The Puerto Rico team will lose to the USA if we get to that. If the United States can Especially if Chris Archer is on the bump. Yes. Or maybe we'll get a random appearance from Clayton Kershaw. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) That will not happen. But Chris Archer can get it done and Chris a couple Archer of other guys as well because Kenley Jansen is still there and you're going to bring out maybe grab a couple other people from What the- are you talking about? Kenley Jansen isn't there. Kenley Jansen lost last night with the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. He threw too many pitches too, right? Doesn't matter. He lost. His oh, he lost. sure he, did. He's on the he Netherlands. Sure, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm sorry. I was like, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And they, they brought out that seven-footer last night as well. <laughs> the tallest pitcher in history. And he can't, get a, and he can't get a deal. He's getting the pitcher deal. What can you do? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, wow. Yeah, but the USA all the way, dude. I'm going all the way. I, who's our closer since I wanted to throw Kenley Jansen in there? <laughs> uh, Kenley! It was not Boxberger. We have a series of closers. We played with Luke Gregerson. I didn't we like played play with Luke with, Gregerson, David Robertson, much. and Tyler Clippard. We're not, we don't have our best not, closers uh, out there. Well, we don't have our best pitchers out there. Yeah, therein lies the problem. I would like to have a Craig Kimbrell sighting. Yeah. And that would be nice. Let him pump some cheese for just one <laughs> Blast some cheese and see what y'all, see how y'all like that. I would go grab three closers. And just let real them, quick. Yeah, just a, and just let them. Oh, we got Andrew Miller. We yeah. got Andrew Miller. Yeah, and let him, let him build the bridge, and that's it. Yeah, we got Andrew Miller. Tanner Rourke should give you probably five or six tonight. He's going to give you six. Then again, the Japanese foul off a lot of pitches. Yeah. I don't know if they've ever seen Tanner Rourke. He's tough. He's tough. And he pitches to contact, which might hurt. Which actually might hurt the Japanese. They wear out guys who are strikeout guys. Actually, that might be why Chris Archer isn't starting. Yeah, maybe. Because they're they're contact guys. They like to put the ball in play and pity pat all over the place. He's throwing that heavy sink piece. And it's going to be a heavy, balmy night if the game doesn't get rained out. Believe it or not, we actually got rain in LA, folks. I think it's supposed to actually come down tomorrow, tomorrow. Which is the championship game. Yeah, which is the championship game. What are we going to do about that? But if you haven't watched, tune in. The World Baseball Classic is in the semis and the finals are left. It's a great situation. Great game, great time. I mean, I'm going to be there. So if you come out, say, hey, give a shout to the Ozone. I'll take a picture with you and we'll throw it up. Throw it up. So, man, even more we got – man, I feel like I'm with TSA right now. Even more speed. Let's talk about the NFL free agency, which is always important. And uh, we got Trucker Dave wants to sign in. So uh, we want to talk about some stuff happening in the NFL right now. 
It's a very interesting time because obviously the Super Bowl just passed and we're about to jump into OTAs soon. But there's some rough news going around the NFL for some legends right now. You saw that uh, Dwight Clark just came out and announced that he actually is uh, fighting ALS. He's been diagnosed with ALS. Right. Now, let me ask you this. For anybody who doesn't know, just by namesake, sorry, Mm -hmm. anybody who doesn't know by namesake, Dwight Clark is the guy that you always see making that big catch against the Dallas Cowboys at the back of the end zone. From Joe Montana. Way up high from Joe Montana. From like a pass that was probably like 12 feet up. He (laughs) went up and got it. And he was a part of that 49ers lore. He was a part of that big team. I think he won two championships with them. And 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 I mean inspirational guy. When the, when when I'm gonna read off some of the tweets that people said about him, but uh, but there's a very this is this is touching a lot of people. What's your take on it? T, you had you had some other news as well that seems I think ties in. Yeah, uh, Barry's Hall of Famer running back Gil Sears has dementia. Now, are they saying that they, they believe that the ALS comes from the the trauma from football? I don't know if they're saying that. But I think that is what's implied. And That's I what's think implied that, with with Gil Sears. And I think I think it's I think that it, it you know I think it's what's implied in general. Can football cause ALS? This is the question. You know what are, what are we really saying here? And he's is a great guy that people love. Uh, you know, Dwight Clark himself wrote his fans a letter, and. They asked, you know, did football cause this? He said, I don't know for sure, but I certainly suspect it did. You know, uh, Clark went on to encourage the NFL and the Players Union to continue working together in their efforts to make the game of football safer, especially as it relates to head trauma. And it's, uh, you know, it's really tough, really tough. Uh, Here's a Dr. Fred Fisher, the president and CEO of the ALS Association Golden West Chapter said, we know that a protein that gets released during stress, concussions, and neurological damage, TDP43, is implicated as a cause for ALS as well as other neurodegenerative diseases. But there are also people just like you and me who end up getting the disease for no apparent reason. 80% of the people who end up being diagnosed with ALS have no family history of it. Wow. But you bring in stress, everybody's stressed out to certain some certain degree, and then you don't know how... You respond indi- yeah, to stress. individually respond to stress. There's some people who love stressful situations and thrives in them, and there's other people who actually just might, you know, might not be able to handle that. And I think that I think that also the stress when you talk about football is a different kind of stress. Gail Sears was getting popped in his head. Yeah, he was a running back, and running backs are built to take lickings. And, and know, back in the '80s, they're not built actually to take a licking. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's the, what the they position do. is. Yeah. But back in the '80s, receivers. Took a licking too. Everybody took a licking. Everybody took a licking. And you're looking at the ALS Sports Link is uh, all the more pronounced because of the famed athletes who have perished at its touch. Hall of Fame pitcher Jim Catfish Hunter had it. Uh, boxing champion Ezra Charles. Hall of Fame basketball player George Yardley. Pro football player Glenn Montgomery. And British soccer player Jimmy Johnstone. And obviously the most famous of them all who was uh, the disease is named after Lou Gehrig. It's a tough spot. We want to send uh, all the prayer and positivity we can to these fellas and to everybody suffering from any sort of devastating illness, disease, and know that uh, everybody's pulling for Dwight. Everybody's pulling for Gail. And we have to keep it positive, folks. You never know what people are going through. And everybody who thinks, I hear this a lot, being in the position that I'm in, oh, must be nice. You got it all. Yeah, you know what? The cards are uh, 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 bouncing my way right now. I'm being blessed, but none of us know what's going to happen in the future. That's why it's essential to treat people well with respect, and and you get what you give oftentimes. And unfortunately, we we get things that we don't think we deserve. So I'm going to pray for good old Dwight and hope he can fight this thing. And Gail. And Gail. Praying for them both. Uh, and we want to move to a, a, a higher note. An Ozone contributor and listener. We got to get him in the in the uh, into the Ozone. Dustin Brown, captain of the LA Kings, scored his 500th goal the other day. Hey, hey. Love Brownie, giving you <laughs> giving you love. Hey Brownie, we're talking some puck. What's yeah, going on? What's, what's going happening? on? Where man? are you? When are you gonna call in? When are you gonna come? When are you gonna come in before yeah, come you leave? In. I know you're gonna go out of town soon. You're gonna go back up there to, to that nice part of New York where you live. Beautiful. Live good with all your kids. You old lucky dog, you. <laughs> but no, uh, L.A. Kings for life. Big shout out. Big uh, big shout out. Big love to Dustin Brown. To the big homie. To the big homie. And you know what? Uh, staying. Also going back to the football realm, though. Really disappointed once again in President Trump. Um, he had the nerve to say. Uh, the other day that the reason Colin Kaepernick hasn't been signed is him. 
And Colin Kaepernick should sue him for collusion. <laughs> he should sue him for <laughs> collusion. He should sue him. And, and uh, especially because he actually put up decent numbers when he played last yeah, year. And he and he's admitting that he's done it. <laughs> yeah. So how about that? Yeah. And he's saying, you know, and I think it's important now more than ever, I'm going to support Colin Kaepernick. And I'm not supporting the kneel, but let's talk about what it is that caused him to kneel. And everybody has a problem with this bait and switch and this diversionary tactic. The president, who's actively under investigation by the FBI, folks, by the way, if you missed the the news yesterday, uh, the president is trying to use another diversionary tactic to take away from, you know, the heat that's on him. When Colin Kaepernick actually exercised his right and his civil right to speak up for a portion of society that he feels like is being wronged, and he's done his job and he's been successful at it in that we're talking about it, people are talking about him, and people are talking about the actual issue, which is law enforcement and the apparent problem that they have with impoverished people and people of color with the uh, uh, unequal amount of deaths that occur at the hands of law enforcement for people of color. You start talking about Colin Kaepernick. Yeah, Yeah, you start talking about him. Instead of the problem, we never get resolution, you know, because this guy, now we're focusing on him not taking a knee instead of talking about the problem. Yep. Or fixing the problem. Yep. I agree. And it's not right. And Colin Kaepernick did, you know, he did what it is that he has the right to do. Yeah. And, you know, if you have a problem with it, then you have a problem with the Constitution, folks. Yeah. You may not have liked his action, but take a step and look beyond the action and, and try to figure out exactly what do you think that Colin Kaepernick could have actually done other than what he did Using to get his... the attention exactly. on the issue that he was trying to highlight. Really, tell me that. What do you guys think that he could have done? I would love to get a caller to call in and talk about that because what... I, I would really like to know. It's ridiculous, and we're too busy focusing on Tom Brady's jersey. And we're focused on Jersey Gate and Von yeah. Miller's helmet. Yeah, and worried and sending FBI agents to Mexico to find a jersey. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. We're using we're using the government money to go find this jersey. Uh, we might as well. We're using government money to pay Trump himself to go to his own golf course over the weekend every weekend. Yeah, it is what it is. Not going to get too political on the show, folks. But certain things they they tie into the politics and the sports. And Colin Kaepernick, for some reason, Trump decided to take credit. You know, for uh, his career, for his for his career. And you know what? This is why he deserves praise, in my opinion, is because most athletes don't take a stand, pun intended, irony recognized. And he actually took a stand for an issue that he cared about. And he's paying the price now. And he's paying the price in the sense that, you know what? He just uh, nobody wants to answer answer the phone for him. Nobody needs a quarterback, apparently, even though I'm sure Jay Cutler's going to get a job soon. Right, and nobody can use Colin Kaepernick, just like nobody could use Tim Tebow because he was an outspoken person of faith. This hypocrisy's got to stop at some point, and we all need to look in the mirror and make sure that we're not a part of it. Tebow won a playoff game. He almost has more wins, or just the equivalent of Tony Romo. And Tony Romo's the Hall of Famer in everybody's <laughs> yes. eyes. Yes, unbelievable, crazy, 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 crazy. But yeah. Well, moving on. Got to go quick, folks. Roger Federer. I I have to say. My hands are down. I fought it for the longest time. Hands down. Roger Federer is the greatest tennis player of all time. Hands down. Hands down. Where are you going to put him? They're down. That's it. He's there. <laughs> you put him behind your back. When you say hands down, do they go behind your back? No, they go on the table usually. Oh, okay. But this, this guy is unbelievable. He took that time off because he had the knee injury. As per you know normal tennis, he's a senior citizen. He went down there to the B&B Paribas Open in Indian Wells down in Palm Springs. He's 35 years old. He won the record fifth, uh, uh, I do believe that it was his record fifth win of that tournament, mm-hmm. just after coming off the Australian Open win in that thrilling five-set throwback match with Rafael Nadal. Well, guess what? He met Rafael Nadal in the quarters of this tournament and smoked him, straight sets. This um, guy is unbelievable. It's unbelievable what he's doing right now. It really is. And I mean, and, and this, is a, this is a testament of what we were talking about with uh, sometimes an athlete getting time off actually can rejuvenate their career. Right. And it seemed like it worked out the right way for him because he's a guy that always taking care of his body. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's played the game the right way on and off the court. Uh-huh. Really, really interesting stuff. I just salute, man. This guy, I can't wait to meet him. I know we're going to run into him somewhere, and I can't wait to give him the praise that I think he deserves. Other than all of the hundreds of millions of dollars and endorsements <laughs> that he has. You want to tell him his skills are extraordinary. <laughs> his skills are extraordinary. So tell me, you got anything else you want to cover? Uh, 
since we're in a little crunch, not right now, but there's a lot out there, and maybe we can come back and hit them with an espresso shot or something. Maybe so. Might even give you something from Vegas, folks. Yeah. You never know. Going to leave you here with a quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson. The purpose of life is not to be happy. It is to be useful, to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have and make some difference that you have lived and lived well. May or may not have been Ralph Waldo Emerson. <laughs> But whoever it was is a smart joker, Jack. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for rocking with us. Coming back at you soon. Ozone. Check out our YouTube page, our Facebook page. We got a lot of extras for you. And you want to see us? You want to see who won the Hold in One Challenge for lunch with Jacusto Slade? What do you want to see? We got it for you there. This is Omar Miller, your host you on the Ozone. Ozone. Up and down the hang-up alleyway With a groove I only got We shall all be moved